think I really believe that somehow, some way there was an answer, there was meaning and purpose. And I think when we have that frame where we're looking for something good, when we're looking for meaning and purpose, or that we're looking even for answers out of the difficulties, we will find them. I really believe that. Like it, it just, it's, it's the frame. It's not easy. So again, please forgive me if it sounds overly Pollyanna. I've been called Pollyanna before and I know it can be overly optimistic, but the truth is if you have that lens, you can see the good. And it's the same with people. You got, you know how this is. I love talking about this, whether it's patients or friends or family or whatever. Everybody has a dark side. Everybody has a light side. But if we have this frame of how we view people, that they're human suffering just like we are, and they're doing the best that we can, that they can, and that we're doing the best that we can, and be kind to ourselves and be kind to others, it changes everything. It changes how relationships go because we're all, you know, full of darkness and light. And if we can look for the light in people, we can be the one to encourage them to be their best selves. And this works with patients for sure, because often we can see this piece they can't see in themselves. I'm like, you're doing such a good job. Keep it up. Girl, you've got questions. Questions about your body and how to feel good in it, about your hormones and how to keep them in check. Questions about your sex life and your whole health. Can you imagine having a best girlfriend who was also a triple board certified OBGYN? A girlfriend doctor you could call and ask or tell her anything. Someone who could show you how to live any stage of life before, during, or after menopause in a big, bold, and beautiful way. Well, friends, I'm your girlfriend doctor. I believe you were meant to flourish and shine, to embrace life and awaken to all its possibilities. Let's get there together. Welcome to our show. Hello, everyone. This is Dr. Anna here. I'm excited to talk with you with a dear friend of mine, an amazing colleague and an expert in functional medicine that shares her own story in such a beautiful and vulnerable way. I mean, she is just one of the most amazing people. And we're going to talk about, have you dealt with issues that you have no idea why this is happening to your body, struggling with aches and pains, fibromyalgia, fatigue? I mean, the mystery, you know, constellation of of symptoms. I was talking with another colleague, Renee Wellenstein, a fellow OBGYN earlier today. And she said, you know, she had been struggling and on the edge of collapse when finally she connected with a functional medicine doctor and it changed her life. And now she's a functional medicine doctor and sharing all her wisdom um, with all of us. So the same is true with Dr. Jill Carnahan. And I'm excited to introduce you to her today because I have known her as a colleague. I have known her as a friend and I'm always impressed and always learn something when she speaks. Plus, you'll see she has such an amazing personality. So today we're really going to hit on functional medicine, mold and cancer and the recovery, like how we heal ourselves. We have one hit after the other, trauma, grief, pain, you know, mystery illness. How do we recover from that? How do you stay positive? How do you work the combination of mind, body, and spirit together to create great health? Well, Jill, Dr. Jill is an example of that, and she's a board-certified integrative holistic medicine specialist. She's known as your functional medicine expert. 
and she's referred often to the Sherlock Holmes of medicine. Oh, I got to talk to her about that because I like to call myself the Nancy Drew. So Nancy Drew and Sherlock Holmes need, uh, need to get together more. So she really does solve these medical mysteries. Anyway, she uses state-of-the-art lab testing and biochemical analysis, and we'll talk about some of those today, to really customize what a patient is dealing with and get to the root cause of her of their illness. So I'm excited to introduce her to you today. She has so many accolades, so many degrees, and again, is just a beautiful person. We're here to share her with you. Well, hello, Dr. Jill Carnahan. How hello. are you? It is good to see you here, and thank you for being here. And, you know, I'm excited to have this discussion with you, and I have been reading your your new book, Unexpected. I, you, well, first of all, update me. How are you doing, and how did this Unexpected come about? Thank you. It's so good to see you, Anna. I just uh, love what you do for the world, love your spirit and your heart, and you're so kind to have me here. So, um, gosh, this was a project that started in my heart eight years ago when the divine kind of said, you need to tell your story. And I started arguing and said, who am I to tell my story? And then I started talking to publishers and they said, you know, no one who's an unknown that's not a celebrity writes a memoir. And I just kept saying, no, I, I feel like this is important. Not that my story is any more important than yours or any of your listeners, but often I feel like the divine gives us a story because it allows us to number one, experience things firsthand and understand them at a different level. And then number two, to share with the world, like my story is a story of hope and story of healing against all odds. I always say I'm like the cat with 10 lives and I'm on number 10 because I have lived and, and overcome things that, you know, many people don't or many people suffer through. And I just, my uh, passion is bringing hope and transformation to your listeners and people all around the world. Oh my goodness. And your book definitely does. I was able to read it, you know, before this interview and the heart in it. I mean, there's so much, I was like, Oh, I, I know Jill. I mean, you know, and also often you think, Oh, she's not been through craziness or crises. And Oh my God, you have, I would love for you to share that. Cause my audience knows I've been through trauma, right? I suffered with PTSD. I was, you know, early menopause, infertility, all of these like dead death sentences to me, depression, suicidal ideation, mm. obesity. I mean, all these, all these things. And, you know, I mean, it's like, okay, it's, I know what I did to get through it. I would love for you to share a little bit about, you know, what you've done. Sure. Oh, gosh. And I love that you share so deeply too, because it really is through those places where we experience it. And you know, it's funny because I'm sure you remember in medical school, there's a very objectivity to, it's taught to basically, you know, don't share your emotions, certainly don't cry in front of patients, don't share too much, don't like, you know, and it's like taking off that mask and becoming human and real to our patients is so important to the connection and so important to giving them hope and healing. And I know you practice this and I do too, and I had to kind of unlearn what we were taught in medical school, because I realized that objectivity, there's a place for that. Like if you're in the ER and someone's, you know, just had a stroke and you need to boom, 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 make decisions. You don't need to be sharing about your life story then, <laughs> but there's times when you're sitting with a patient or a client in your office where it really does just allow them to realize, Hey, you know, we're in this together. We're partners. I'm not any better than you. I don't have all the answers, but I'm here to help and encourage you. So back to story. Amen uh, to that. Amen to that. Right. Yes. I, you know, I mean, that is powerful. And that's the thing that, you know, we've had this white coat ivory tower type of training. And when it comes down to it, it's like, 
Yeah, yeah it's like they're real. And I always say that's why the book is resilient. Finding resilience is unexpected. Finding resilience through functional medicine, which we both love, but science and faith. And I love to take two things that are considered kind of opposite and say, no, 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 we can have both. And I think of this in the realm of, I'm a little off tangent, but I think it's relevant. In medical school, it's all about the science, the objectivity. We're very masculine, driven, organized, data-driven, all that stuff. It's all great. We need, we all need masculine and feminine, but the feminine side is more intuitive, more kind, more gentle, more. And I've had to read learn to embrace that part of myself, not only for my own healing, but also for patients and, and information as we gather data and take a history and talk to them. Sometimes that intuitive gut sense is right on and then we prove it with science, but we kind of need both. And what I've learned over my 20 year career in functional medicine is sometimes the most powerful insights come from the heart space where we sit with that patient and we really feel them and we listen and we take careful notes and they tell us the story and the story tells us what direction to go. But that's not an objective lab data. I mean, we look at that. We, I love the science. Don't get me wrong. I'm a bioengineering background. But it's that heart space where the healing really happens and the connection happens. Well, in your in your book, you write, and I, I pulled out this quote. It's that you write to me, to quote you, to me, science is the process of testing theory in order to understand the inner workings of our world and the human body. Faith is simply a peaceful relationship with the inevitable uncertainty that arises when we don't have all the answers. Oh, I still love that. I can't, I don't know where that came from, but again, probably inspiration, but the I truth love is that Thank you. But I was, it's just about us actually being comfortable. You know, when you thread, you asked about my story, it started at 25 with a diagnosis sudden in my third year medical school of aggressive breast cancer. And to put it in perspective, you know, how many old were you? How old were 25, you? 25, 25 aggressive yeah. breast cancer. Okay. So then where did it come from? Yeah. So this has been my life journey to say the why, right? Like we were just like Nancy Drew and Sherlock Holmes. Here we are. <laughs> I love that. I love um, it. Yeah. But it's like really asking the why. And what I realized is, first of all, I was born with a very small detox bucket. I call it the bucket analogy of kind of our genetics and our ability to take care of toxins that we all get exposed to in everyday life. So my genetics for detox are kind of poor to begin with. And then I grew up on a farm. You would think it ideal, like Norman Rockwell-esque um, atmosphere. I mean, I had a great family, wonderful growing up. But the truth is on that farm and back in the 70s and 80s, there was pesticides and endocrine disruptors, which just means things that mess with our hormones and all kinds of things. And I was sick with very bad allergies. And I think my bucket started to fill up very young. I, in fact, I think now looking back, probably started getting exposures in utero while uh, my mother was pregnant with me because she was very sick and later in life had some autoimmune things and chronic fatigue syndrome. And I look back and there's no doubt that that was a piece of the puzzle my mother and her genetics and then her toxic load and then having me as a baby. I'm sure you remember the data in 2001 of cord blood of infants where they tested in Canada and they found babies coming out of the womb had over 200 chemicals testable in their blood, which is so scary that a brand new born baby comes out of the womb like that. So scary, so scary. And the fact that you're looking at this, right, we're looking at this and we're looking at intrauterine exposures, that is, that's not to give anyone maternal guilt, right? That's not right, to give right. anyone maternal guilt. Although does alcohol kill some of those exposures? I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just like, all right. So that going back into that overloading your toxic bucket. Yeah. So I basically grew up on a farm, probably glyphosate. And you know, it's funny after about seven years of my diagnosis, I was free of cancer and I started looking into the details and atrazine is one particularly harmful endocrine disruptor has been known to cause toxicity, even uh, correlated with cancer. The European Union banned this substance shortly after I was diagnosed nearly 20 years ago. And it is still 
being used today. And, you know, Dr. Anna, what I saw on the map when I started looking at this, I looked at the area I grew up and I said, first of all, is atrazine still used? I called my dad up and I said, dad, is atrazine still used? And he said, yeah, Jill, sadly it is used on many farms. And I said, do you realize it's banned in the European Union? And he said, yeah, you know, this is just something we still use in the U.S. And then second, I looked at a map of the U.S. and the highlighted spot in the most concentrated spot of use in corn farms was central Illinois, right smack dab where I had grown up. So there was no doubt that that was one other piece of the puzzle. And growing up with well water, it probably got contaminated. All that to say, I think that toxic load contributed to my DNA of my breast starting to form abnormal cells. And then at 25 being diagnosed with cancer. And that probably started some of that toxicity in utero and then continued in my youth. And then again, with poor detox genetics and maybe proneness to that dysfunction, at very young, in fact, it was so young that at Loyola University, where I attended medical school, at that time in 2001, I was the youngest person ever, youngest woman ever diagnosed with breast cancer. Now, sadly, since then, there's been a lot of women in their 20s and I think even a few in their teens. So now it's sadly, 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 sadly not uncommon. But at the time, it was just unheard of for a 25-year-old to have breast cancer. And to put it in perspective, I was with a group of young women under 40. So we were all considered young and I literally, Dr. Anna, I'm the only one still surviving. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And that's got to affect you, yeah. too. And just think, thank God that you've had. So how did, so from there, you're you're given this diagnosis. You're in med school. You're at one of the best universities in the nation. And you're told, okay, this is, you're the youngest person to ever have this. You're probably looking at a life expectancy of not too, not right. too good. Yeah, that's the crazy thing is, uh, you know, now I'm healthy, it's 20 years out, I'm free of cancer, and hopefully the rest of my life will be free of cancer. But at that moment, you don't know, you don't know if you have six weeks or six months or six years, and I really had to face my own mortality. And that was, in, a, in hindsight, as many of these things are, it was a gift for several reasons. First of all, my faith has always been strong, but at that moment, I didn't know what to believe. And I just prayed and called out to God, which is my personal belief. And it was not too long after that I was given a verse, the sickness won't end in death, but it's for the glory of God. And, and whether you believe or not in the same uh, type of faith I have, that's okay. But the truth is that what I realized then that there was a greater purpose. And when you can find greater purpose and meaning wherever you come from, whatever walk of life, whatever background in the suffering, which is so hard. And again, I'm not minimizing any of you out there who are suffering. It is so hard. But I remember just there's this switch that happened when I heard that, because all of a sudden we know from neuroscience that when we start to look for the good or we start to embrace gratitude, we start to see unexpected miracles, which is why I called my book Unexpected. We start to see these things that happen that are not expected in the midst of difficulties, but actually transform us and transform our lives into a better place. And I started to look at after that, I thought, okay, I don't think I'm going to die. And I just believed, I just believed somehow I'm going to get through this. And I literally, and I went through three drug as, as heavy dose of chemotherapy as they could give me without killing me. That's what I got because it was so aggressive and I lost all my hair. My gut was destroyed. My fertility was destroyed at 25, if you can imagine, never to have children. And uh, everything in my body was destroyed. Like I always say, the cancer was easy, recovering from the toxic therapy. And it, I have no regrets. It saved my life. So please don't think I'm saying anything wrong about it, but it really destroyed my body. So I came out of that nine months later, multiple surgeries, scarred um, breast, of course, and body. And my ovaries completely went into menopause at 25 years old. Wow. I did not know that. Wow. Yeah. 
So I remember knowing what a hot flush was at 25. I'm like, oh my gosh, these women who go through this and I'm in my 20s, right? I'm like going, turn on the air, I'm going to die, you know, in the middle of the winter. <laughs> so all of you women who, under, who, you know, menopause and all the work you've done, I know what it's like. I was there. Fortunately for me, the ovaries turned back on for two years. I didn't have fertility, but I did have normal cycles for a few more years after that. But all that to say, it was tough. And I got out of that nine months later and I was like, oh, you know, I'm alive. I'm bald, but I'm alive. And uh, within a few short months, I went back right back to my rotations. And, you know, Dr. Anna, one of the lessons here is I was, I grew up on a farm. So that mentality is strong, resilient, don't complain, you're tough, buck up. And the truth is I'm actually quite sensitive. I'm, I'm very sensitive. And I suppressed all that to be this strong, tough, kind of robust individual. And during that time, I got right through chemo, right through radiation, came out. I was like, I need to go back to work, right? And I just forced myself, suppressed my pain and my fatigue and all the symptoms and went back to the ER rotation. And I started having cyclical fevers and literally not like 99. It was almost to 102 many times. I worked okay, right. First of all, I just want to emphasize that here you are, you know, recovering from chemotherapy, cancer, and you go into one of the deadliest places in the world, germ-ridden, like attack on your immune system, not to mention the toxic environment and chemicals that are in our ERs. And I just think about that. And I, I loved your chapter on workaholism, like in that comment, like we have in a, you know, to um, where Joe Polish said to a room of physicians, you are all, you know, talked about addiction. Everyone in this room, a majority of you are, are addicts too, but it's a socially acceptable form of addiction. And I went right back to work after I had my daughter, Amanda, three weeks. I never want anyone to do that. I mean, I never, what well, we think we had to power through. I just hope this, you know, that, that, that new generation of physicians and, and women really are, are that listening to their sensitive, listen to their inner voice, their intuition. And I'm with you without faith. I couldn't have gotten through anything, Jill. So I love you talking about faith and science. Yes. And I think, is that your life first? Like I was wondering who, what's your life first? If you have a life Uh, first. That's one of them. The sickness is not into death, but for the glory of God, um, the son of God might be glorified thereby. And there's another one Behold, I, this is the newer one in the last 10 years. Behold, I will bring to it health and healing. I will heal them and reveal to them an abundance of prosperity and security. And that's been like the second stage of healing. Nice. And through you, you know, through your work, through your help. I mean, that yeah. is, yeah, with God's gifts. Awesome. Yeah. And thank you for mentioning the workaholism because I, I want to just mention on that. That was, again, for me, I was like, I talk, I, what you mentioned is this uh, part in the book where I talk about, I was listening to a speaker and he was saying, he's talking about addictions. And I kind of tuned out because I really don't drink alcohol. I don't do drugs. Like I, I thought, oh, I don't have any addictions, right? I'm immune to this. Duh, and right? I'm thinking, check, check, check. <laughs> you know? right? And then he started talking about all of you because we were all health entrepreneurs. He said, all of you in this room are addicts and you're addicted to work. And he's like calling us out. And as I started to think about it, and this is both of our stories, because medical school actually endorses this behavior of don't take time for yourself. Don't do self-care. If you're hungry, shut up. If you're thirsty, shut up. Don't pee. If you have to stand and retract all night, you have to hold your bladder. I mean, you don't take care of yourself. And it's actually promoted to be strong and resilient and don't complain. And I don't know what good that does for us, but all that to say, we both were in this culture that was not kind. And what happens in that culture is you suppress your needs. You literally go into dissociation in some points and all of that physiology in your body has to come out somewhere. So often it comes out in illness. And if you're a woman or a man listening and you have, you know, like taking care of family or done, put everybody's needs ahead of your own, that's beautiful and altruistic. But 
your body is suffering. And if you're not listening to those messages you're getting, which I wasn't because I was so sick and I went right back to work. And these cyclical fevers ended up uh, one night I passed out when I was taking a patient's blood pressure. Went oh to my the, gosh. Uh, yeah, went to the resident on call and I was diagnosed with an abscess and I had to go immediately that night to surgery to take care of the abscess. And the next morning, the surgeon is like, Jill, you have Crohn's disease. Oh, on top of everything else. So from the yeah. chemo, from the erosion, from the toxic yeah. chemicals. Now at this point, you had no functional medicine. Yeah, no. Now, the interesting thing, though, I grew up with a, a RM, a nurse for a mother who was pretty holistic minded. We had natural food on our farm. We grew not everything, but of course, some of it. So we had a mentality that was the healing through food. And like I went to a chiropractor as a child sometimes for and again, we still went to medical doctors. There was no like alternative and not conventional was kind of the combination. But my mentality of my family was we grow food. You can eat nourishment from the earth. And then with strong faith, there's a lot of uh, things that were conducive to a holistic mindset. And I probably would have gone into naturopathic medicine or traditional Chinese medicine. But I started applying and getting accepted to medical schools. And I thought, maybe I can do this. Maybe I can go to medical school. And then the truth is what happened is I was like, I'm going to go to the system that right now is the primary reimburse system that both you and I have been trained in. Um, because I feel like that still is a, you know, the primary, it doesn't mean it's the best, but it's a primary system we have in the U.S. And what I want to do is bridge the gap between that system and what I believe to be possible. So I always say I kind of infiltrated the system to learn and to get a degree. And then I wanted to bring, so I didn't know what functionalism was, but even before medical school, I went in with the heart of a more holistic healer. And then when I first heard Jeff Bland or, you know, any of the functional people oh, that yeah. are our forefathers, I was like, ah, oh, this is it. You know, this I is knew. it. This is why yeah. I went into medicine to begin with, right? And then when you yeah. hear that, okay, that makes sense. Get to the root cause of disease. Don't just bandage it and out the door. So, so true. So you had an abscess, then you were diagnosed with Crohn's. And yeah. then what happened? Yeah. And like you so, said, so breast cancer, chemo, surgery, then, then back into work in the dirtiest places in the world, yes. right? Yes. Our hospitals, and then, and then Crohn's disease, and and so wow. And I'm only 26 now, so I'm still I'm still pretty young, as far as the well, I mean, it seems like a lifetime in my 20s. And and the Crohn's, interestingly, just for your listeners with the gut connection, it all makes sense now because basically I gave myself, or the doctors gave me chemotherapy that created leaky gut. One of the drugs was known to cause leaky gut, and I already had genetic predisposition towards Crohn's disease. And one trigger for Crohn's is when the bacterial that's in your gut, the microbiome pieces leak into your bloodstream. For some people like me, it creates an aggressive autoimmune response. And that's kind of what happened. I had, I always say it's like Swiss cheese for guts. I had holes in my mm -hmm. gut from the chemo. And then I had, and I also was eating gluten. I was, I was a vegetarian. Now in hindsight, that was probably because I was celiac and undiagnosed and I didn't feel good with certain foods. So I started limiting foods and getting rid of meat. And again, looking back for those young women who have eating disorders or restrictive food patterns, I was zinc deficient and I was low stomach acid. So it's no wonder I didn't really like meat. And I went to a vegetarian diet, but I didn't know any better. So I ate pretty much a carbitarian diet, like high carb, mm -hmm. lots of wheat. So I say that almost killed me just because it was just so wrong. It was processed soy, it was high wheat, it was high sugar, just not good. And then I was diagnosed with Crohn's and I realized, oh, this is connected to the diet. The funny thing is I saw my gastroenterologist for a follow-up after my diagnosis and I got all my questions answered. He said, you know, this is going to be lifelong. You'll probably need surgery. You'll probably need immune modulating drugs. Let's start on steroids. And the last question I asked him as I walked out the door was sincerely, you know, doc, I want to do whatever I can. Does diet have anything to do with this? He did not even pause. And he said, Jill, 
Diet has nothing to do with Crohn's disease. Wow. Wow. Yep. And, yep. Mm-hmm. and this wow. is where my psyche is in. Yeah. So, you know, he's so definitive and so, I mean, really, it's ignorant. Didn't know. Right. Right. But, yet, but, I, but again, my intuition was like, there's something going on here. Something going on with the diet. If it's the intestines, right? Right. That, that is sad. Gastroenterologists have been some of the toughest ones to get through, like with using probiotics and dietary changes. I remember, you know, many stories, but you knew your intuition was nudging you. It was. And that was one of my first really lessons I'm really trusting because I did not know the data. I didn't have the science to back me up. But my thought was this. First of all, food, how can food hurt me, right? As far as like, say I try good food or try a change. It's way safer than taking a dangerous drug. So why not try it? And then I did the research and I came across Elaine Gottschall's specific carbohydrate diet, which has been around for decades now. And I thought, what do I have to lose? Now that diet just happens to be one that's almost like a low FODMAP diet. So it takes away if you have overgrowth of bacteria, fungus or bacteria in your gut, it tends to work well. So it just happens to work. And I got on that within two weeks, my fevers were gone. My diarrhea and bleeding was gone. I wasn't healed. It took a couple of years to really heal my gut, but I knew I was on to something and diet had a lot to do with it. Wow. Wow. Did you end up taking those medications too? Did you? I did not. I did not take steroids. I've never been on steroids in my entire life, believe it or not. And then the, they did want antibiotics. Of course, I took those for the abscess. That was very appropriate. Um, so I took antibiotics for like 10 days. And then I never have been on immune modulating drugs. And I started with that diet and really found a massive relief in symptoms. And then that's what led me to really study the gut. And that's my start in functional medicine was becoming the gut expert because I had to heal the Crohn's. And what they told me was incurable, Dr. Anna, is I do not have Crohn's anymore. I'm cured. Like I'm free of it. it. I love it. I love it. And so at 26, you're on this journey um, from breast cancer, invasive, you know, um, aggressive breast cancer, and then Crohn's. And then like, you're reestablishing your health with the dietary changes you're making that at that time in med school, we weren't being taught any of that or in residency. I'm just fascinated. I'm riveted. I know our audiences too. And I went, I went, I, I started healing. I really healed from cancer and Crohn's. Like my hair grew back and I started gaining nutrition and again, all that, that damage from the chemo to my gut. It took several years. I had to deal with a lot of fungal overgrowth and bacterial overgrowth and damage to the gut. And I just slowly, slowly kept healing the gut, getting healthier and stronger. And then in 2010, so this was almost a decade after my diagnosis, I was healthy and strong and vibrant, decided to move to Colorado to start a practice out here. I'd grown up in Illinois on the farm, of course, and uh, really things were going well until 2013, uh, Boulder, where I live and practice medicine, uh, there was an epidemic flood. We've had a lot of these, you know, climate change kinds of events around the world. And we had one in 2013 where literally billions of dollars damaged. The town was mostly underwater. And in that flood, it started uh, damaging my office where I worked unbeknownst to me. And about the following year, I started having shortness of breath, rashes, brain fog. And I I thought that there was something going on, but I really didn't know what was happening. And then um, I found out there was mold in the base of my office and that there was mold in my body from urinary testing. So then I, again, had to, it's the whole bottom line on the big, the big picture here is God has had me be the guinea pig. And what he's had me do is like through each of these things, it's like, I really had to dive deep because I had to heal myself. I had to save my own life. But through that, as you know, none of this stuff is in textbooks. Like, it's not like we can go the details, the fine minutia. 
And there's some big ideas that might be there, but the really depth of understanding that I have now of cancer and Crohn's and autoimmunity and mold came from my own experience and me facing my own death and trying to heal. But it has given me such a gift. And that's if there's one message today, it's like the gift and the suffering. And I hate that we have to suffer. And I'm so sorry for those of you listening, because I know this last year has been so hard on so many people. But the truth is, if we can look and if we can find those pearls in the midst of the suffering, they turn out to be the most beautiful things in our life. And later on, we can look. And again, it doesn't diminish the suffering. Jill, so you're in the midst of this, right? That's like one hit after the other. And yet you said finding the pearls in the midst of the suffering. How did you do that? Well, you know, the biggest thing is the thing we share is I have such a strong belief in God and in, in the purposes and the reason I'm here on earth. And that greater purpose and greater meaning is always the thread, no matter what happens. It doesn't take away that difficulty. It doesn't take away the pain. It doesn't take away any of you that are suffering. So please know my heart goes out to you if you're out there and you're like, I just lost a loved one. I just lost my job. I'm in a horrible health situation. My heart is so with you because I've been there. But what you can do is through that, if you start to, it's literally, again, this is like neuroscience has proved it now. It's our frame. And you can call it rose colored, colored glasses. That's kind of a pun on. Or the Vion rose. I like yes. the rose. But the truth is, if we have, like, again, I had this really strong belief. And all through this, I had a belief I would survive. Like, I really believe that somehow, some way, there was an answer. There was meaning and purpose. And I think when we have that frame, where we're looking for something good, when we're looking for meaning and purpose, or that we're looking even for answers out of the di difficulties, we will find them. I really believe that. Like it, it just, it's, it's the frame. It's not easy. So again, please forgive me if it sounds overly Pollyanna. I've been called Pollyanna before, and I know I can be overly optimistic, but the truth is if you have that lens you can see the good. And it's the same with people. You got, you know how this is. I love talking about this, whether it's patients or friends or family or whatever. Everybody has a dark side. Everybody has a light side. But if we have this frame of how we view people, that they're human suffering, just like we are, yeah. and they're doing the best that we can, that they can, and that we're doing the best that we can and be kind to ourselves and be kind to others, it changes everything. It changes how relationships go because we're all, you know, full of darkness and light. And if we can look for the light in people, we can be the one to encourage them to be their best selves. And this works with patients for sure, because often we can see this piece they can't see in themselves. I'm like, you're doing such a good job. Keep it up. <laughs> right, right. You're able to fine tune that. And what you're talking about is compassion for others. And that compassionate state is one of the highest vibrations that we can be in. And, and high vibration, and if you can talk about this, but with energy and higher vibration, there's healing, not just for us, but for others. And the fact that, you know, that you could see within the midst of your suffering that you had a purpose and through this, a blessing to others that you would be, I mean, like to see that then everyone listening in some way or another, you're a blessing to someone else. So like showing up as that blessing, I mean, you have, you blow me away, Jill, because I knew you as the mold expert, right? I didn't know until I read your book, Unexpected. You guys, you got to check out Dr. Jill's book. It is um, at Dr. Jill Carnahan. Dot com and you can get a free chapter a uh, Jill sorry jillcarnahan.com and you can get a free chapter of her book you want to talk about that um yeah sure we'll do so we're going to give a link wherever you have this and I'll say it out loud too for um that's my website you have linked to the book you can you know get that 
And there's actually a ton of free stuff if you do purchase the book, uh, Coloring Journal. So you get to sit down and color and like go through that. There's a free lecture on muscle activation because it's been such a popular topic. There's an audio chapter I recorded that none of the book gets, but anyone who gets this is free and it's kind of a secret chapter. But what you're talking about is right now today, if you're listening and you want to just read this and say, am I interested? What's this weird story you're talking about? Um, you can get the free chapter at readunexpected.com slash free chapter. And this is not available to the public. It's not a posted website. So readunexpected.com slash free chapter. Any of your listeners can get that for free and download, like you can get it instantly. Just go in there and grab it. So readunexpected.com free chapter. I did that because literally, I hope Anna, I saw this correctly. I'm going to, you know, add it in I'll, here. I'll and sure. that. <laughs> uh, here we go. Yeah, that's, that's it. That's it. Readunexpected.com forward slash free chapter. chapter. Okay, perfect. 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 And what I was going to say is I really realized, I mean, I'm sure you know this, like my heart is just to inspire and to encourage others. I literally put a lot of my own money into write this book. I don't know if I ever make the money back and I don't care. But the truth is I care about reaching people and inspiring and encouraging people. And so when I thought about what could we do with the book or how could we get it out there, I want to give it away. Like I just, I just want people to have this story if it can help them or if you find someone that say you do read it and want to help someone else. The idea is really just to help people. And I hope it does that. Oh, I, I know it well. I know it well. And, you know, and the thing is that you're, you know, you hear, you can have healing through reading because there's so many aspects where I know people will see themselves in this book. And you talk about your memoir, your journey, your story, and what you've been through and how you show up and you give and you lecture and you teach and you train and you're doing all of these, you know, you're doing so much amazing work in the world. And then for everyone listening, please share Dr. Jill's website, her book, share this information, share this podcast with everyone and spread the word because you can see your diagnosis is not your destiny and your prescription is not your description. And having faith, the, the medley of faith with science is empowering. And no matter what you're dealing with, knowing that you are a blessing to someone else. So, so good, Jill. Oh, I love that. You know what you just said? Literally, you touched my heart very deeply because as I read and prayed over this book, my one goal was, it's my story, but the secret is it's not really about me at all. What, what I hope is that like what you just mentioned, any reader, you or anyone else can see your reflections of themselves in the story and can see the places where God is calling them to be bigger and brighter and more loving to the others and to themselves. And I would say, be kind to yourself in these healing possibilities. So I love that you actually just said that, that hopefully people can see a reflection of themselves and be inspired to continue to transform into the greatest version that they can be in the world. I love it. So Jill, with this book, Unexpected, where are you at in your life now, having overcome all of this and and truly a leader, a leader in the functional medicine communities? Anyone listening, if you ever attend a functional medicine, where are you speaking next? You will hear Jill and the fact that you're adding these bonuses. Just quick question before I have you answer. On those book bonuses, do they come back and give a, like if they buy it at Amazon or wherever, do they come right. back and put a receipt number on that page? Yep. And that's just Read Unexpected, the main website. And you can go in there and you can see them all there and get, yeah. So exactly. If you go back okay. to the readunexpected.com site, you can get all the bonuses. 
Okay, good, good, good. I'm going to head there after this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what's your next chapter? Well, it's interesting. 2001, in the midst of the pandemic, a year ago today, you know, recently. 2021. Um, 2021. I sat in my chair and was just praying and meditating. And I realized that, you know, people are during the pandemic, they were moving uh, from books to online. And I just had this thought, you know, I wonder if I should do something in the realm of of, uh, film or documentary on the same topic or just on environmental toxicity. And I prayed about it. And within seven days, I had producer, director, executive assistant, and all we needed was a budget and an investor for a film. And where this is going is by three months later, an investor, I happened to, long story, we got the money for an investment. And last year, I also did a documentary and it, it was supposed to be out about environmental medicine and not about me. But as the producer director read the story, they're like, Jill, we kind of have to follow your story. So there's a documentary produced. It's ready to go. It's being submitted to film festivals now. It's called Doctor Patient. But this year, my hope is that that will also, you know, go to whatever outlet. It could be on Hulu or Amazon or YouTube or I mean, we don't know for sure where it'll be because distribution is up in the air. But if people want to see the trailer, it's at DrPatientMovie.com. And I'm just, it's, it's, I am a little tired this year, but I did a book and a documentary all in one year. I tell you, oh my goodness, that's a lot. That is a lot. I mean, just, I'm still recovering from my book. Yeah, I know, right? (laughs) And you're doing both. I, I, I missed the screening for that. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. Mary Agnes had, had done a screening and I wasn't able to attend it, but I can't wait till it comes out and please let me know so we can share it with everyone here. I mean, you're just growing a group of an, a tribe of fans, certainly from the Girlfriend Doctor community. And I love what you're doing with your heart and with your work and also with your journey. And it, and talk about like now, after being through all this, what what's a day in your life look like yeah. when you're not writing books and doing documentaries? What's your like, what, what's your day in a life look like? And what would you tell to everyone who's listening, who's maybe struggled with Crohn's and autoimmunity and, you know, I mean, mold and all of these things, like what, like their, their next steps. So, and I used to, when I was teaching positions or any place where I was lecturing, I used to stand on stage and this was years ago. I'd tell my story, overcome breast cancer, just like we did today. Right. And then I'm like, I'm healed and doing great. And the truth is I still have bad days and I want to be so, what I did is I shifted because you know what, that's not real. And I want to meet you guys of where I am really. And I have a lot of good days. I love my life. I'm so blessed. And every day I wake up with such a heart full of love and gratitude because I am so blessed that I can even talk to you here and to share what God has done in my life. But the truth is, I still have days where I feel like I can barely get out of bed once in a while, or I still have days where I'm and just, that's the reality. I've been through a lot. I still have immune deficiency. And I just want to say that because so often you look at someone like me and you're like, she's, she's got it all together. She's doing a book and a documentary. She's got, and I just, just like you, I have rough days. I have days where I'm like, oh, this is so hard. And I want to be real now because that's the reality. And anyone you look at out there that looks like they have it all together, we all have suffering at times. And we all have, you know, for me, it's, it's uh, fatigue sometimes or brain fog or different things. So I just want to be real in that. But the truth is I still have joy and I still have meaning and purpose and I still have reason to get up and shine. And so do you, if you're listening and no matter what's going on. So that's really the core message. And I literally have reminders like sticky notes in my medicine cabinet. What does she need for me today? And what that means is like, I check in with myself. I'm like, do I need to rest? Do I need to take some time off? Which I used to not do. And then another one I write to patients and myself, be kind to yourself. 
And often we have these messages in our head. They're like, oh, you idiot. Or why are you overeating again? Or why did you do this? Or you shouldn't have done this. Or those messages can really destroy our heart and mind and our physical body. And I love encouraging me, starting with me, but also you listening, be kind to yourself. I literally, when I did a lot of my trauma and healing work, I would say, oh, sweetheart, you're doing a great job. Keep it up. You know, you can try that again. Let's do that again. Like you can talk to yourself that way. And there's a powerful healing in that kindness and compassion. And it starts with us and then we can share it with the world. I love it. I love it. And I thank you for your vulnerability in that. Thank you so much for your vulnerability in that. I mean, I feel your heart and, you know, like you said, you said the people you meet, the human suffering, right? There's human suffering. And so what you do with that suffering, you know, how you convert that, transform that suffering, but it's also the, you know, hey, sweetheart, yes. how, are you, how are you doing today? What do you need? <laughs> I love that. I love that. I, I do. I like, yeah, I, I'm definitely going to incorporate that conversation to myself and those nice words, right? right? How often are we cruel to ourselves? And that negatively affects our immune system. So in your walk with faith, oh my gosh, can we, can we do the, um, I, I so want to do a good spiritual hike. My friend, Dr. Angeli Aki and Ellie Campbell, and we've oh, talked so wow. often about the Santiago trail. So to do that someday, but w- what are you doing with your spiritual faith now? How are you nurturing that? Yeah. I, so I used to get up and go on the treadmill or go run or like go beat myself up in the workouts, you know, and, and feeling like I was uh, terrible if I didn't do my daily workout or whatever. And I all shifted at probably two or three years ago. I stopped, I always say I got my best shape. I stopped working out, but my cortisol was way up here. Now it's a little bit lower, but now in the mornings, I love my quiet time. And no matter how early my day starts, I need like 20, 30 minutes. It's my, I have my chair and I have my Bible. I have some other script. I have some other things, different things, all kinds of things I read I actually have a just, you know, encouragement from all different areas, but all that to say that quiet time where I just kind of like center myself and prepare for my day is my most precious time because I could go there and I can just feel about, feel my gratitude. And I literally, I pray that I could be loved to the world. Like how can I embody and manifest love? Because that's what we need. We have a broken world and a broken medical system and broken people. And yet there's hope and the hope is in it's truly compassion and love. I mean, that's where healing starts. And I can only help people as much as I can embody that. And I'm not perfect. I fail every single day, but I come again that next day and say, how can I today be love again Hmm. to you, to people, to you, my friend, to anyone like that. And again, I fail sometimes, but my deepest desire and I get, when I can get centered in the morning, I know I can, things will come then during the day and they won't phase me because I'm centered and grounded in love. And if I don't have that time, I'm not nearly as (laughs) grounded. (laughs) I know the feeling if I start off on the cortisol side of the bed or the oxytocin side of the bed, it makes a difference. (laughs) It totally makes a difference. (laughs) I love that, Jill. And so tell our audience again how to get a hold of you and to connect with you. And you've got amazing, oh my gosh, Nicole Krakora is on your team. Oh, yeah. I mean, you've got an incredible top of the top clinic. So thank you. Yeah. So like you mentioned earlier, my main website is just my name, jillcarnahan.com. And I've got loads of free, for, I've written for probably 15 years, free blogs on everything from Lyme to Epstein-Barr to autoimmunity to mast cell. It's all free. And I do a podcast as well. So those are all free episodes with docs 
Anno's on there. We'll have to show your episode. So wonderful stuff there for free. And a great place to follow me is on Instagram, just Dr. Jill Carnahan on Instagram. So do connect with me, send me a message. I'd love to hear from you. If you read the book, please let me know what you think if it impacted you. And thank you, Dr. Anna. I just have to say to your listeners, they know this, but I love you. I love your heart. I consider you a, a precious friend. I love what you do because you bring the same heart and compassion and love to you, all of your followers, all the all of your books, all the things you do. So I just, again, your listeners obviously know this. I'm speaking to the choir, but I want to say I love and respect you so much. And there's a lot of people out there doing things for motives that are much more profit-based or, 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 and again, I don't want to judge anyone, but I love your heart and I know your heart and your motives. It's so clear you do things with the same intention. And so keep up the beautiful work you're doing here. Thank you. Thank you. And I needed to hear that today, Jill. Thank you. I'm really really <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm so grateful for our conversation and I'm so grateful for you and my wife and be in doing what you're doing and with uh, the compassion you're doing. So for everyone listening, please go to jillcarnahanmd.com. Jillcarnahan.com. Jillcarnahan.com. And then don't forget, please go to readunexpected.com forward slash free chapter and get that chapter, get the book and get her extra bonuses mm -hmm. at readunexpected.com. So be sure to go back and get that and share this with your friends and take one next right step, one deep breath. I always like the, you know, one of my favorite books growing up was, is, is Anne of Green Gables. And oh, in it, yes. there's, do you love it? I mean, plus you I grew up on it. a farm and all that. So you're like Anne of Green Gables. Oh. And, and there's one quote she says, and she says, I'm, I'm, I'm so great. Something like, I'm so grateful for tomorrow because it's a day with no mistakes in it yet. <laughs> oh, I don't think you could give me a bigger compliment. That was like my, my favorite. I always, I love that. So much. I, I love it. And when you said, you know, like I, I fail every day or whatever, I'm like, oh, that's Anne of Green Gables. <laughs> So good. So thank you, everyone. And thank you all for listening. And please put your comments definitely wherever you're listening to this. We'd love for you to share it, share it with your friends. Tag Dr. Jill Carnahan on Facebook, on Instagram. We'll be posting a little snippet of it uh, when we release the full podcast. So definitely check that out. And thank you all for being here. Yeah. Till next time.